from Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from the ESPN studios at Pier 17 in the Seaport District of New York City, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Every year, in every sport, there's one conversation we have, no matter what the sport is, when we get to the playoffs. And it speaks to the way that sport travels. It speaks to the way that sport communicates. It speaks to the way that sport markets. It's always about, can that league survive small markets playing for a championship? We worry about it in the NBA. We worry about it in Major League Baseball. We worry about it in the NHL. This year, living, breathing proof the NFL is doing it different and better than everybody else because they're not worried about a damn thing. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and your smart speakers. Just tell them to play ESPN Radio. Presented by Progressive Insurance, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Hear me out, HD. Like, in most sports... I mean, this is a real conversation. I've been doing radio long enough to have been part of these conversations. Oh, what's it going to mean if Milwaukee wins the championship in the NBA? Because Milwaukee's not a big enough market. And, oh, my God, the Royals might go to the World Series. And <laughs> will anybody pay attention? Because it's a, it's a small market. Like, we talk about this in everything. When I was doing radio in Nashville, it was, man, the, the Preds going to the Stanley Cup final is a non-traditional market. Will people pay attention in hockey? Everybody worries about their matchups. And now I'm sitting here looking at a playoff bracket where the AFC side has given us, I don't know, Buffalo, Cincinnati, Jacksonville. Like, these are not Kansas City. These are not dominant markets. It's a dominant sport. So every time we ask the NFL to change everything they're doing because we want to put this pressure on them, I would just remind the the, the world, the NFL doesn't have to play by any rules because every rule doesn't apply to them. They just kick everybody's ass. Yeah, and I love that you brought up the uh, the Predators down in Nashville because I was in Nashville at that time playing for the Titans, and mm-hmm. I got a chance to see what the city was capable of when they hosted the Stanley Cup Finals. I also got to go to the game. If those of you listening right now, if I was you didn't in know, every game. You I'm didn't a say huge hi. hockey fan. I'm a huge hockey fan. By the way, you know, you know, my Boston Bruins are playing tonight right here at Madison Square Garden. If anybody has any free tickets, your boy Harry. You are shillings. You are openly yeah. shilling for free tickets. I yeah, love duh. it. Duh. So yeah. what? The Bible say you have not because you ask not. I'm going to ask. <laughs> duh. But I'm glad you brought that up because we also seen in Nashville, a small market area, how the draft was and how everyone was on Broadway. Now, you look at these four teams that are in the playoffs right now still contending. You look at Jacksonville, and I think it's all about the star power that these teams carry. Um, not only from the quarterback position, from Doug Peterson and him winning a Super Bowl with the Philadelphia Eagles, being a hot name, being able to take over things for Urban Meyer and changing the trajectory of this football team and this organization. Also, you have Trevor Lawrence. But then you look at the Cincinnati Bengals, and you have a Joe Burrow, Right, a guy that came and saved the city, saved the organization, in which their owner just recently said that they're looking to make Joe Burrow the quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals for the long haul. And I don't know if y'all know the definition of long haul, but that's a long time. Yeah, long haul driving a Brinks truck back up to Joe yes. Burrow. That's what they're going to be Bro, doing. And they also have Jamar Chase. You look at Buffalo, right? Another small market team. That fan base is unbelievable and how they support their team and jump through tables and that whole nine and that whole debacle. But they have the star power in Josh Allen at the quarterback position. You look at the Kansas City Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes, a.k.a. the magician. He's there, star power, along with Andy Reid, future Hall of Famer at the head coaching position. Those cities have star power and not just one guy, most of them multiple guys. 
It's interesting when you say that because you just sort of opened my mind to a thought here. The NBA is all about the stars, right? So yep. you got to have huge names playing for anybody to pay attention. And I, I genuinely believe by the time the star of John ja Morant has risen to where it will be, the size of the market in Memphis will be irrelevant because NBA fans flock to superstars. So That's right. you can get eyeballs as long as you got Ja. You need you need big names more than you need big teams. Major League Baseball is always going to be more about the the teams that play it, right? Like That's right. so, it doesn't matter who's playing as much for the Mets as long as the Mets and the Dodgers are in the World Series or Yankees and Dodgers are in the World Series? That was the conversation behind Aaron Judge and a lot of people saying that, you know, if he potentially would have went to the San Francisco Giants, things wouldn't be the same for Aaron Judge being a star in San Francisco more so than it is being a star in the New York market. So baseball is a little different in those regards, I I believe. So it's interesting, though, because the NFL is the one perfect mesh of both. And I, a part of this is because we love football so much that we find great stories to tell, right? Like, that's, right. that's just what we do. We talk about the NFL. But part of it is just because of the way all eyes flock to it. Like, it's it's ingrained in our culture to the point that, you know, I've got the list up here of the size of, of TV markets. And, and I just laugh because right now, if you told me that the AFC championship game was going to be Kansas City versus Cincinnati, right? Like, that is the 30. And I only pull that up because according to this sheet, that is the 33rd and 36th largest markets in the the country. If it was if we were looking at a a World Series matchup between the Royals and the Reds, like people would be like, "Oh my god, baseball's doomed. Nobody's going to watch." <laughs> but if we get Chiefs Bengals in the AFC Championship game, every single like every butts in every seat in America, we're all watching. It's going to it's going to put up huge numbers. It's going to get more numbers than the World Series will get combined for the whole series, right? So, but but also that speaks to the way that business is done because we loudly yell. And I think it's important here like we loudly yell about what the NFL isn't doing right without it ever acknowledging what they are doing correctly because you don't get to be this popular unless you're putting something on the field. People, We will absolutely freak out all weekend at every blown call and everything we don't like from every team. We will yell about it, and there will be people on social media that's like, the NFL is rigged. I'm never watching this again. That the next weekend will be back in their seats with their phones back in their hands, back on Twitter, doing the same damn thing because we are addicted to the National Football League. No, we are, and, and that's been one of the things that – you know, the National Football League and Roger Goodell and, and those people on Park Avenue. I believe the office is still on Park Avenue. That's why I did the internship back in 2009 when, you know, Wait, I told Wait, do you have Roger's number? You no. got you got Goodell's no, number? No, 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 I don't have Roger's number. But I, mean, I do, I I do have a lot of people that work at the NFL office number in my phone. A lot of people. Could I could I hit him up with a what up player? No, 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 don't hit okay. Roger with a what up player. See, <laughs> for, for Roger, how you doing today, sir? Nice to meet you, Roger. <laughs> You see what I'm saying? See, uh, yes, you know, I do you, see what you, you're saying. You can't yes. hit Roger with the what's up, player. No, Roger's going to be like, what the hell? Player? I have no idea what's playing on my computer, he's, by the he way. going to probably say, you mean player? Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> Roger Roger might not be out in the, the, the streets. Hey, what's up, Roger? How you doing? How's your day, sir? <laughs> but yes, the, the people on Park Avenue, as you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> the people of Park Avenue know, uh, they know the hold that they've got over all of us. And because they know the hold that they've got over all of us, it really allows them to essentially toy with us however they want to. And we're going to take it. Like, uh, it is it is amazing what football has become. It's amazing what football can survive. And it's amazing how much we yell about something that we then continue to watch. And I've said this 
over and over and over again. If, if like, uh, you know, every time a team's bad and somebody says, well, force the owner to sell, that it doesn't work that way. If you don't like your favorite restaurant, you don't get to walk into your favorite restaurant and be like, I no longer like your chef. You must now sell this uh, restaurant. <laughs> the only way that we will ever force change for any team that's bad or for anything in the league is if people stop watching. But the numbers show that you can have four tiny markets in the AFC all playing against each other and people will still watch. Now, that being said, the NFL does have a big win on the other side of it because, my God, you got New York, you got Dallas, you got Philly, and you got the Bay Area. So it's like it's like the four Davids on one side and the four Goliaths on the other. Call it Magic City because my whole city magic. How dare you forget about the ATL? Don't you disrespect us down why, why are south. you guys? Why do you See, guys matter? And, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep it real with you. I'm going to keep it Atlanta, south side of Atlanta for you. See, okay. we, down south. See, S-O-U-F. Not down S O U T H down south down south. What? Right, there you go. There you go. Now I'm good with down south. Like uh, the first producer I ever had, uh, you know, he, at the time everybody called him Darrell. Like that was his name is Darrell. Now he's this big like swole up R and B artist named Tank. And so every time <laughs> Tank would take us, like every time we had to go in the studio, he'd always look at all of us and be like, "All right, go get in the booth." And it was always the booth. Exactly. Yes. Not the booth. It's the booth. It was the booth. I, I'm the same way, but it's also like Two Chain said it in his song. I spell South with an F. South side. That just seems grammatically incorrect to me, though. Like, I don't know why you would but do that. But you know, that. sometimes it's not about always about being correct. <laughs> it's not. It's about, it's about being authentic in yourself. Now, you can't Roger, walk up to Roger Goodell saying, yeah, I'm from the South. Mm. That, well, yeah, hey. you could. Harry Douglas could. And he would still, uh, he'd st- especially wearing the suit that Harry's been wearing today. It's an interesting case study because what we see right now is that no matter what happens this weekend, the NFL is going to win. Because no matter the size of the markets, no matter the names on the jerseys, no matter the, the color of the helmets, no matter what we see in every possible way, the one thing we know is no matter what happens in any other sport this weekend, the lead on Monday is going to be what happens this weekend in small markets, big markets, every single market in the NFL. Obviously, we got a lot to break down throughout the course of the weekend for what we're going to see in the playoffs. But importantly with that, the future of one first-round quarterback is actually on the line this weekend, and he might not have anything to do with how it plays out. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Have y'all watched San Francisco play? Like, this is the juggernaut of the NFL right now. When Dak Prescott plays that way, it's really simple. They're A game. They are the best team in football, period, of story. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. the 49ers suspected that the Cowboys were going to win. D'Amico Ryans and Kyle Shanahan started cooking up. The San Francisco 49ers. Everything they do from an offensive and defensive perspective travels. And at some point, we got to see Brock Purdy. For them to win a championship, he has to make championship throws. To their credit, they haven't had to do that quite yet. If you're the Dallas Cowboys, your quarterback just played his best game of the season. You might have had your most complete performance as a team. You can't wait to get back out there and do it again. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm never afraid to admit when I'm wrong. Whoa, whoa. And man, I could not have been more wrong about the 49ers with Brock Purdy so far. I cannot say it loud enough. I thought that going to a third-string quarterback that's a rookie 
who frankly I watched every snap of in his college career, I thought that was going to be a killer to their season. And instead, all the 49ers have done is seemingly in some ways gotten better. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and your smart speakers. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And here's the thing. Like, I keep waiting for the implosion of Brock Purdy only to realize that I am waiting for something that is simply not going to happen. And I want you to hear specifically uh, what John Lynch had to say. Uh, John Lynch, obviously the GM of the 49ers, he was on the morning roast with Bonta and Shasky, and he was asked what has impressed him the most about uh, about the way that Lynch, or sorry, about the way that Brock Purdy has played the game. And uh, this is what he had to say. We're going to get that sound for you. One second. My computer apparently does not have it, so they're going to get it for us in the booth. Now we've got it. This is what he said. I think just the poise, the presence, um, you know, the, 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 the pressure on, uh, on that position in this league, is it's immense. It really is. And uh, I think one thing that we saw from day one, he wasn't going to be phased, you know. This kid's got some swagger to him. I mean, you think about that, and AC, we've seen that swagger every single week. Every single week, it looks like the moment's not too big to him. Last week, San Francisco put the ball in his hands and said, we're comfortable with this. I was stunned. Yeah, it was a game, but in which Brock Purdy didn't start off uh, good either, though. Uh, or Some early throws he made in that game should have been interceptions. Also, I thought in a man-covered situation where he tried to throw the ball to the left side of the field that almost got intercepted by the linebacker, the whole player, he could have hit. Brandon Ayuk on a slot fade, and he just read it, you know, the wrong way. But his poise and facing adversity early on in that in that football game, he was throwing that thing around, my man. And I just – the pocket presence, right, of understanding that, okay, he might be getting pressured. Let me move around a little bit and have a little pocket awareness. Dump the football to Christian McCaffrey out there in the flat for a touchdown. Same thing uh, with the other running backs, Elijah Mitchell, his, his receiving touchdown, the same type of situation. So – when I look at Brock Purdy, Kyle Shanahan, there's nothing off of the table with this offense when Brock Purdy is in. I'm not accustomed to seeing that. I didn't see that with Trey Lance. I didn't see that with Jimmy Garoppolo. So that leads the, me to say this. The 49ers, if Brock Purdy continues to win, and I even think he's earned it up until this point right now, moving forward next year, I think he should be your starting guy. I'm being honest. I, I don't see how it cannot happen at this point. You That's know what and, I'm saying? And, and you're so right. There was one play, and forgive me for not remembering off the top of my head where it was in the game. They showed the replay like four times. And you actually watched Brock Purdy in the pocket while everything's collapsing around him. You watched his head go from read one to two to three. You watched him shift his body, put his feet back under him squarely, and then move his body back to somebody else to throw the football. You watch the calmness of his progressions, and I just sat there and thought, holy hell, the 49ers are doing something right now they wouldn't do with Jimmy G. They're letting him get comfortable and throw the football, which means they're comfortable with him. Like, I say this all the time. I feel like a broken record, but we see three and a half hours of a player every single week. Coaches see hours and hours and hours. That's right. So what we're really seeing in that three and a half hours is a demonstration of how comfortable the staff is with what we don't see. And what we've seen from the 49ers is that they are wildly comfortable putting Purdy in any situation. And now, even, even as we go into this playoff run, as, as you look at the way he's played so far, I don't know how you could justify giving Trey Lance a look when you've given Brock Purdy a look and he's gone in and absolutely crushed it. My heart breaks for Trey Lance. Like, you want a kid drafted high to have the chance to prove himself, but... 
My God, if you're well, the 49ers, how do you even justify that? Listen, we, we don't even have to go further from future Hall of Famer, the best tackle in football, Trent Williams, and what he said when Brock Purdy took over the job, in which he commands the huddle. Um, he would yell at people and tell them, but let's go, pay attention. That speaks volume. That says a lot for someone who has done nothing at the International Football League at that point. But for a quarterback, that huddle is his baby. That's his, that's his huddle. And you want to show each and every person, all of the 10 guys in there, that you're commanding it, you're owning it, and this is your spot for you to speak and for you to direct. And I thought, thought that was huge, from a, especially from a rookie, going into a huddle within a team of the San Francisco 49ers and what they've been able to accomplish in previous years. I, you know, I'll, I'll, I won't throw the individual under the bus, but I was watching a little of this game at a buddy's house, and there were a bunch of people sitting around. And there was a, a play where Purdy obviously got upset at, at a receiver, and he was chewing him out. I mean, just chewing him out. And what was funny to me is the guy sitting next to me, big fan, big 49ers fan. The guy sitting next to me immediately says, man, you can't be that guy. You haven't earned that right. You don't get to be that guy. No, at this point he has. And that that was my my exact thought was like, no, what you need to be is that guy. Like it, you are the quarterback of a team in the playoffs that's fighting for the opportunity to go to the Super Bowl that has a very real shot at it. You need to be demonstrative. You need to come out and be like. Got to tell your story, bro. Got to tell your story. Because um, in this individual I'm about to talk about, I love him to the moon and back. One of the most finest human beings I will ever come across ever in my life. Quarterback Marcus Mariota. When I was in Tennessee with him, it was times I would tell him, listen, you have to be more mean. You have to yell. You have to do that at the quarterback position. Not saying that you have to demean guys, and I think we all understood that what his mindset was in his persona, but from that position, there are times you have to be like that. I went through it with Matt Ryan. We're in London practicing for the game for London. We're over there a week. Roddy White and Devin Hester. Devin Hester's supposed to be running a clear-out route through the middle of the football field. Roddy White coming on the big end. The two run into each other. <laughs> and Matt Ryan is cussing both of them out. <laughs> Literally. But sometimes you have to be like that. We we all hear the audio on Matt Ryan. You know, when him, uh, Julio and and uh, Muhammad Sanu not lined up on time when he's trying to sap the ball. Get the F set. You know what I'm saying? You have to be like that at times at the quarterback position. It's nothing against, you know, the individuals and one another. It's just that you have to have that mindset. You have to be like that at times. Now, I do think it's a difference in what Phillip Rivers used to do. And, you know, body language bad most of the times when guys are running the wrong way like it's 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 a way to do it but it's it's also timing on when to do it as well i i think by the way i didn't like jay cutler the way he did it either i, I think that speaks to management right like uh and not management is in like the management of a team but like personnel like you understand anytime you're doing something in the one percent uh and you're in a team environment i don't care if it's sports i don't care if it's business i don't care if it's music uh there's an expectation of everybody around you being their best and doing their best there's an expectation for accountability in those situations there's also a way to communicate that. I want anybody that's standing at the quarterback position, I don't want them to be a leader because that's what they think they have to be. I don't want them to be loud because that's what they think they have to be. I think quarterbacks have really found themselves when they're capable of being the truest version of themselves in a real way. And that's what I felt like I was like Brock Purdy going nuts to me wasn't Brock Purdy putting on a show. It was Brock Purdy showing all of us that he was comfortable being himself as the quarterback of the 49ers. And man, once you are comfortable, you are confident. And if you are comfortable and confident at the quarterback position, you can win football games. Like, I'm sorry. 
I have a really difficult time understanding why Trey Lance would even get a look when you know what Brock Purdy has shown well, us this year. you mentioned Trey Lance. You know, there's a new general manager in Tennessee, in Nashville, and, mm. you know, who happens, you know, was in San Francisco with, with Trey Lance, and, you know, everything should be on the table. You never know what could happen. Now, I'm not saying that's what they're going to do. I'm just saying – the connection there between the two guys, it could potentially, you know, be something. We don't know. It might it might happen. But that's one thing we're always going to do on this show. We're always going to look for that connection. Yeah, we're going to speculate, because, too, a little l- bit. We're yeah. going to speculate a little bit. And let me tell you, if the new GM that knows Trey Lance goes out and gives up draft equity for Trey Lance, that's a statement to what we just talked about, the Trey Lance that they see even when he's not on the field. So I would trust that 100%. There's a lot of conversation about quarterbacks, which includes a conversation about Super Bowls with Tom Brady. Everybody thinks Brady's going to go somewhere next year. The question is, how many teams would actually be a Super Bowl contender with Brady? Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Tonight, let's be honest. I mean, he looked like a 45-year-old quarterback. Second and goal. Brady pulls it down, now throws it. Intercepted by Curse. This has been a lot of focus on, you know, this game. So, yeah, let's just be one day at a time. Tom Brady has to go to a team where a number one wide receiver is there, a tight end is there, a running back's there, a coach that he may know well or may not know well is there. and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. We got to get to some Brady here real quick. A couple of tweets. I love responding to the tweets that we get. Got a couple of tweets I think are interesting. One came from Ryan that said, "Why?" quoting me, why would Trey Lance even get a shot with the 49ers? His response, they gave up three number one draft picks for him, period. He'll get a shot. I love that logic, but go back and watch uh, The Man in the Arena. And remember that Drew Bledsoe had just gotten a massive contract when a guy named Brady took his job. And frankly, if the 49ers, that's money already spent. You don't care. You need to win football games right now. And if he's doing it, he's doing it. Also, Brad came in and said he guarantees any team that signs Lamar Jackson will only be mediocre, part of which because he's a running quarterback who can't consistently complete passes. I always remind everybody, if you don't like the fact that Lamar runs the football, uh, are you out on Josh Allen? Uh, yeah, but, that's just, my thing. Like, I, I he's mean, more reckless running the football than Lamar Jackson is. Yeah, it's just a pick and choose Way narrative. Way more reckless. Uh, pick and choose narrative all the time. All right. So speaking of pick and choose narratives, there's a lot of narratives right now about Tom Brady and where he's headed. Not the least about what his future could look like in Tampa. Julian Edelman, God knows, would know him better than any of us. Three-time Super Bowl champion. He was on Inside the NFL, and he said this about Brady's future in Tampa. If he has another season, it's not going to be in Tampa Bay. Right. Mm. And, and it's just because Tom's a, a businessman. Tom's a smart guy. He's going to do exactly what he did when he left New England. He's going to go to the best situation that helps him win if he wants to continue his playing career. I don't know. All right. So that means it's time for one of our favorite features. We got a guy named Harry Douglas here, in case you don't know that. HD is what everybody likes to call him. Well, it's time for, is that HD? Yeah, HD. I'm glad they said HD and not Harold, because that's not my damn name. HD. (laughs) Harry Douglas is HD to everyone. Uh, That's exactly how we know it. But what's HD to Harry? This is actually going to be interesting. Let's play. Is that HD to you? All right, first and foremost... 
I freaking love you, Harry Douglas. That's amazing. All right, let's bring in Evan Wilner, producer extraordinaire. As we said earlier, three foot three inches, 74 pounds. He's going to host us. He's going to give us teams that are Super Bowl contenders with Brady. He's going to give us a team. Harry, we got to decide. You got to decide. Is it HD to you? This team is clearly a Super Bowl contender with Tom Brady. Evan. Bro, how tall is Evan again? Uh, he's two foot four, weighs 16 pounds. All right. All right, easy. Take it away, easy. No, he's tiny. Tiny, what's he got? He's is it look. HD to you that the 49ers are a Super Bowl contender next season with Tom Brady, Harry Douglas? Yes, it's HD to me, but I think the San Francisco 49ers are a Super Bowl team with Brock Purdy. They're a Super Bowl team, I thought, with Jimmy Garoppolo. So I don't think this is really saying much because the compliments that they have around the quarterback position, I think, makes them more so of a Super Bowl contender. Look, uh, they would be a Super Bowl contender, clearly, with Tom Brady as their quarterback. <laughs> but also, Brady ain't going to the 49ers. They've got plenty of quarterbacks. They don't need to bring somebody in. They've got a whole room full of guys. There's no so. damn statue in there. No, I'm, out, I'm out on that one. What you got next, Evan? Stick with the show, Evan. We're running pace here. Let's go. <laughs> still stuck Get your on, head in the game. I'm still stuck on the two-foot-four. <laughs> what? Te- te- I was trying to reach the microphone. Teams that are Super Bowl contenders <laughs> with Tom Brady. <laughs> The New York Jets, Harry Douglas. Is that HD to you? I think it is HD to me with the little additions to it. With the offensive line having pieces added to it, I think it is HD. You look at the defense, the top five defense, you look at the skill position players, Brees Hall coming back and the run game is going to be more efficient this season. You add a, a, a guy or two on that offensive line, this is a perfect situation, I think, for Tom Brady. All right, by the way, not only is this a perfect situation for Tom Brady, it's the easiest sales pitch. All the Jets ownership has to do is sit down and say, hey, you want to kick Belichick's ass twice a year? I mean, to me, I heard Woody say earlier he wouldn't want to do that. Oh, my God. Be all in on that. Spiteful Brady with the Jets, who, by the way, have a top five defense right now. You're right. They need a little bit of help. They would get a ton of help. Everybody would flock to go for a one-year Super Bowl attempt at that. I can no longer see Evan. I don't even know if he's there. I think he might be on the ground or he's just finally standing up tall. Uh, What do you got next, Evan? Teams that are a Super Bowl contender with Tom Brady, the New England Patriots. Is that HD to you, Harry Douglas? Uh, no, not at all. I, I just don't see the, ten, uh, the the New England Patriots making the Super Bowl anytime soon. Even if Tom Brady decides that he wants to return, I still th- think they don't have enough firepower offensively, even though their defense is really good and their return game special teams-wise is good. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I totally agree with you, by the way. like I love the fact that we want everybody to come back together, but... Uh, that's not happening. I'm out on all all of this conversation. So yeah, no, it's not. It's not HD. All right, Jason Fitz, is it HD to you that the Raiders are? A oh, just Super stop. Bowl just stop. The Raiders wouldn't be a Super <laughs> Super Bowl contender with Jesus as their quarterback this year. The defense needs to be fixed. Like the deep, it is going to take two years to plug the holes that the Raiders have to to make them anywhere near a Super Bowl contender. So what they really need to do, like Woody asked earlier, a smart question. They need to ask themselves how to compete for the next ten years. Tom Brady will make them a little better next year. Yeah, that's great. They'll make him an 8-9 win team. Yeah, that's awesome, but he's not making them a Super Bowl contender. If they want to be a Super Bowl contender, they got to just go through the heartbreak of figuring out how to rebuild right now. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. I can see nothing clear about this situation. So this is not HD to me. 
when it comes to the Raiders. They have so many holes to plug defensively. You will have Tom Brady in a situation where he's going to have to pass the football frequently like he had to do this year for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, granted, the run game may be a little bit better. It may be an offense that he's familiar with because Josh McDaniels, but at the same time, you need your defense to play at a high, high level for Tom Brady. That is not the Las, uh, Las Vegas Raiders. There is one more interesting team on this list. Evan, give it to us. Yeah, the Tennessee Titans. Are they a Super Bowl contender with Tom Brady next year? Is that HD to you, Harry Douglas? No, it's not because I believe they have more holes to fill on their on their roster. The skill position players, I understand they have Traylon Burks, but they did get rid of A.J. Brown. The wide receiver position, team speed, I think, in those regards from a skill position standpoint. The offensive line, I think, needs to be uh, have a little bit more touching up. But then you look at the secondary. The secondary has been abysmal the last few years for the Tennessee Titans. All right, I agree with you, by the way. I don't think uh, I don't think that would be HD to me at all. But I do. Uh, it is interesting because there were certainly rumors at one point that Brady and the Titans were having conversations, you know. So let's see what that means moving forward. That's a little, is it HD to you? We got a lot to break down, but... Earlier in the show, we told you the breaking news that uh, the Ravens and their offensive coordinator, Greg Roman, parted ways. Greg Roman's leaving to explore other opportunities. We have a new development. We have updated updates on that. Updated updates. That's a new form. We have a new development, a new update. You've got to hear because it could impact everything about how the Ravens approach this offseason. We'll give it to you next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel <laughs> and Harry, the podcast. One, two, three. 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 Three is a magic move. Maybe this is a step in the right direction for the Baltimore Ravens organization. For them to move towards, you know, patching up their relationship with Lamar Jackson, in which we've seen the last few weeks, you know, go kind of south. Three hours later. Three hours later, that statement looks like it could be even more accurate. There are a lot of conversations about the news today that Greg Roman, the offensive coordinator of the Baltimore Ravens, has decided to step away to pursue other opportunities. What's it mean for the future of Lamar? Well, every hour is giving us more insight. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. And we looked at this, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we looked at this from a couple angles when it first started. Uh, angle number one is Greg Roman going to go somewhere else and Lamar wants to follow him. Or the other side of this is, does Lamar want to work with somebody else? And that seems to be something that the the Ravens seem to have a little bit of confidence of, uh, confidence in, I should say. Obviously, uh, we keep waiting to hear. Well, we have heard a little bit. This is Ravens GM Eric DaCosta just moments ago at their season-ending press conference regarding where they are right now and what's next with Lamar. I think it was a, you know certainly a disappointing ending to a season, a long season with a lot of different challenges. Um, but we're also excited by I think the potential of the off season. Everything that goes along with that, uh, the draft, free agency, it's my favorite time of year. Um, we're excited to start up negotiations again with Lamar Jackson. We're excited to attack this roster um, to make it the very best it can be in the hopes that you know, we'll be a championship team at some point. And I want to thank John and the coaches and the players for all the work they did this offseason. We overcame a lot of different adversities along the way. Very proud of the team. It wasn't the ending that we wanted. But as John alluded to, I think we're on the right path. 
Also, DaCosta was asked the follow-up question of if they are willing to entertain trade offers for Lamar. His response, and I quote, that's not something we're going to talk about at this point. Our focus is to get a long-term deal done. On top of that, Ravens head coach John Harbaugh has said Lamar Jackson will be involved in the search for the team's new offensive coordinator. HD, you said it a few hours ago. Like This could be the moment that maybe the Ravens are trying to kumbaya, sit by the campfire, and bring everybody back together. Yeah, Lamar, get them bird seeds. Put them in your hand. Mm. Make the Ravens eat out the palm of your hands. That's the position he has them in now. You see what I'm saying? This all could have been avoided. Fitz, we talked about last week, if John Harbaugh just would have went into that press conference and took up for his quarterback, that's injured. Could have all been avoided. But now Lamar Jackson is in a situation where, and the organization is in a situation where Lamar Jackson has to be involved in everything and they have to make him feel some type of way because I'll tell you this right now, if that relationship cannot be repaired, if it cannot be, uh, things cannot be hatched out in the Ravens and, you know, Bashadi. DaCosta, John Harbaugh, Lamar Jackson and his people, if everyone can't be on one accord, then you want to know the 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 other thing that you do have to do? Consider trade options. That's what you have to do if you're not on one accord. So the Ravens are going to do everything in their power right now at this moment to make sure Lamar Jackson is comfortable with all three of the people I just named. The owner, the GM, and the head coach. But I, I think, Harry, too, that this is the chance for the Ravens and Lamar to do what the Packers and Aaron Rodgers haven't been able to do. Make a true, fresh start. No matter how you got to where you are right now, uh, it doesn't matter that that there wasn't a long-term contract. It doesn't matter anything that happened last season. Right now, today, the Ravens have the opportunity to sit down with Lamar Lamar Jackson at the negotiating table and give him not just a fair and reasonable offer, but a great offer to make sure that their young quarterback wants to be part of that franchise for the next decade. And then Lamar has the chance to say, let's let bygones be bygones and start fresh. The, The important part here is that both sides have to do that so we don't end up with the same twisting you know in the, the wind thing. You know the first step, though? You can't get to that table and offer him $133 million guaranteed. That's what you can't do. 100% because right. Because Adam Schefter, you know, went on NFL Live and said that's what they offered him. $133 million. That's the ultimate disrespect to Lamar Jackson. When we just seen what Kyler Murray got, what Russell Wilson got. What am I missing? I'm, Aaron uh, Rodgers got. That's That's the ultimate disrespect to Lamar Jackson. Well, and part of the disrespect, and I'm using that word And Deshaun Watson. I'm going to use disrespect loosely here, but part of the disrespect that continually happens right now around Lamar Jackson is the concept that he can only win in a certain type of offense. I think it's really limiting to who Lamar Jackson is. And to that point, someone, uh, Emery Hunt, tweeted out, let me just get out here before folks start wrongly discussing the Ravens' search for a new offensive coordinator. Lamar Jackson ran a pro-style offense in college at Louisville under Bobby Petrino. That was quote-tweeted by Lamar Jackson with thank you and prayer hands. I think there's a little bit here of Lamar being like, stop. Like, just stop implying that I'm limited as a quarterback and that should limit my value. How about instead implying that I'm so good as a quarterback that I can win no matter what you put around me because they have tried their damnedest to give him trash weapons and trade away the weapons he has, and he's still been able to keep the Ravens competitive. If I'm Lamar, I'm coming to the table saying, I'm a huge part of why we've even been good. Why don't you guys give me my money? Why don't you give me my weapons? And why don't you guys start to to end the perception that I'm a limited Limitation instead of you've been limiting me. No, bro. I agree with you. 
I think there's so much more to Lamar Jackson. I don't know who said it the other day on ESPN, but I just thought it was totally wrong that we have seen the best of Lamar Jackson. How? Lamar Jackson is 26 years old. There's another dimension of the Lamar Jackson's game um, in which the personnel for the Baltimore Ravens didn't allow us to see, right? Because he don't have the weapons, like as I mentioned earlier, like Josh because Allen, the, the like Ravens, Joe Burrow, like Justin Herbert, the, like Jalen Hurts now. Think about the Ravens haven't even done what the Eagles did for Jalen Hurts. Exactly. Like, like They weren't sure on Jalen Hurts, so they went out and got every weapon possible. The Ravens haven't done that. Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save nearly 700 bucks on average. I, I, Harry, that's the part that's wild to me. Like We're acting like Lamar's a liability, and that is just flat-out irresponsible. And and you said it earlier, and echo it again for the people. Who do you trust? Like, who runs more recklessly, Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson? Josh Allen. And are we, are we sitting here trashing Josh? Nope. It just it drives me crazy. It drives me crazy, man. I I think it lets you know it's our world, though, man. You know, just like the song we came into. You know how we do it. Yeah, Ice Cube. <laughs> well, what we're gonna do on this show is continue to to absolutely beat the table for how this should be handled. There needs to be a a better conversation about Lamar. What I know is that the conversation about Lamar is gonna keep going. McCanny and Carla next. Ice Cube actually gonna join him. For a segment, you don't want to miss it. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Thanks for hanging out with us. You've been listening to the Fitz and Harry podcast. You can listen to the guys live weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern on ESPN Radio. And you can watch on the ESPN app.